Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Well, friends, welcome back to another episode. This week, I have a super special, fun guest. You are not going to want to miss this interview. It actually was a bit of a counseling session for me. That was good, though. Uh, But first, before we dive in, I got to apologize for my voice. Um, I sound like a frog. I got a frog in my throat. Um, I was with my grandkids and, you know, those, I I call them little Petri dishes and they gave me some of their Petriness. So I did get a little cold and, you know, head cold and it's settled in my throat. So I'm so much better than I was. I had no voice for a little while, but at least I'm back to talking again. But without further ado, listen, you are not going to want to miss this episode with my friend Jude Charles. Take a listen. Well, Jude Charles, welcome to the podcast. I'm really, really excited that you're here. Welcome. Rhonda, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. Um, I know it's going to be a fun conversation today. We are going to have fun. We are definitely going to have fun. So uh, before we recorded this podcast, you and I met separately and we started out with the general kind of formalities and, you know, just kind of getting to know each other and like as our, our conversation kind of continued to go, we we kind of got deeper and deeper and deeper into this little rabbit hole of, you know, courage and confidence and really reinventing yourself at, and we all do this, you know, we all go through this process. But before we get to that topic, which I'm really excited about, kind of bring all of my listeners up to speed about, tell me who you are and what brought you to the place that you're at today. I was 17 years old in a TV production classroom in high school. And my teacher, Mrs. Donnelly, taught me everything she knew about TV production. And then at the end of the school year, close to the end of the school year, May 4th, 2006, she said, Jude, you're really, really talented at video production. I think you should start a business. Really? Start a business? Yeah. I'm the youngest (laughs) of 10 children. So starting a business was the furthest thing from my mind. But youngest of 10, my father worked as a construction worker. My mom worked at a chair factory. It's just like, there's no way I could be an entrepreneur. Well, the following day, May 5th, 2006, Mrs. Donnelly came into the classroom with a yellow envelope. And inside of this yellow envelope was my first set of business cards. And I have the very first one to this day. And so what? you asked she me needs like to be teacher of the year, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely is. Like no yes. kidding. Yes. So you asked me like, how did I get to where I am? Or who am I? Like I am a 17 year old kid who had the courage to start a business mm. when no one else was doing it. But I borrowed my teacher's courage, the belief that she had in me, the confidence she had in me to get yeah. me business cards. Yeah. Um, that's what I borrowed to be to 15 years later today. I am still running the video production company. I am blessed to be able to help entrepreneurs craft their story and bring their stories to life. That is what I do. That is who I am. I just, I love leading clients through that process. Um, But it all started with Mrs. Donnelly. So I wanted to go through that story first, but Mrs. Donnelly is the reason for all of it. Love her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do when you talk about crafting the story of an entrepreneur? So there was some place in between Mrs. Donnelly and starting your business, 
there had to have been a little road in there somewhere where you finally landed up with the entrepreneur because at 17, you hardly even knew what an entrepreneur was. <laughs> now here you are doing the thing for the entrepreneurs. So give us a little bit more of that journey. Yeah. So Mrs. Donnelly gave me the business cards. I borrowed a camera, video camera to use. And I literally just went out with these business cards and I was like, will you hire me? Will you pay me to film? At that time, I was doing like small birthday parties and weddings and yeah. um, church events. And I just wanted people to pay me at least $200, $300 to film their event. I was able to quickly get some clients. I was still recording on, um, this wasn't even around the time where there were like SD cards nowadays. It was yeah. tape. It was still on tape. And um it wasn't that hard, but what was hard was actually bringing in the clients consistently. Oh. So the first five years of business, I struggled to make at the minimum $20,000. And it wasn't until a client by the name of Keisha Dior, who had called me to tell me that she made $1 million from a documentary that I had created for her, that I realized there was more to this and I had to go back and learn marketing and sales. And so, yes, I didn't know anything about being an entrepreneur. I thought, hey, I'm talented. The work will speak for itself. Well, this is like build it and they will come. Yep. I mean, that's what you thought. Oh, hey, I've got the talent. I've got the thing. I've got the camera. Don't you see that I'm just naturally really good at what I do? So what's the problem? Right. Exactly. Work. And that didn't work at all because people didn't understand what did they understand the final result that it looked good? Yes. Yeah. But the work that went into it, they did not understand. And I had to educate them on that or not even educate them on the work that went into it, but educate them why it was important. Right. To pay a higher value or a higher amount for the work that I was doing. So, yeah, the first five years were not fun at all. all. Yeah. And so you went through the five years, then you went and you said, "Okay, I got to learn something about I got the building but they're not coming or at least they're not coming consistently. I got to figure this out. So you got some kind of sales and marketing training. Yes. And how did that then shift what you did? So did you keep doing birthday parties and bar mitzvahs and all the things? Not at all. I, the very first course I took was a course called earn one K And the premise behind the course was if you can earn your first thousand dollars, you can repeat it. Okay. That's easy to understand. I had already made a thousand dollars by then. Right. But it was how I made the $1,000. That was important. So what I learned with sales and marketing was how to position myself so that people will understand that it's not just paying you, hypothetically, if he wanted to go from being paid $200 to being paid $1,000, it's not just a bigger amount of money. It's actually the value that I'm bringing to your birthday party, to your wedding, to this moment That's that's happening that I'm documenting. Right. So I went from, I, but the other thing I realized is that I was working with the wrong kind of clientele because they were looking for a $200 th- kind of thing. I started to work with entrepreneurs at that point. So I had proven the process with one entrepreneur, which was the woman who created a cosmetic company and I documented her story. But I was like, okay, maybe there's more entrepreneurs that were willing to pay for this Yeah, because she paid now I said she I already said she's made a she made a million dollars from the documentary. She only paid me three thousand dollars. So I was like, okay, how do I get more money of those from people. of yeah. those people? Yeah, yeah. And so the very next client I went to was an interior designer. 
And I had learned all this sales and marketing. He asked me to put a presentation together of how I would do his project. And I asked him for $15,000. And? I went to the meeting, told him everything, laid it all out. I even showed him a storyboard of how I put his story together. And then I finally said the amount towards the end of the presentation, waiting for him to negotiate and say, oh, that's too much or no way I could do that. Instead, he said, great. When do we get started? And your teeth fell out of your head right then. (laughs) Absolutely. Because I had taken so much time in this presentation thinking, I may not get this. I may not get this. I'm going from $3,000 to $15,000. It's a big jump. Go, buddy, go. Because I learned sales and marketing, because I understood what was important to him. Right. I was able to persuade him to make the investment of $15,000. Now, I did go back and ask him why. Why was it so easy for him to make the investment? And he said to me, you know, you told me what you were going to do, but then you showed me what you were going to do. And that was the storyboard. That's a good one. And he said, the moment that you showed me what you were going to do, I knew you were the right person for the job because you already had the vision in your mind. I didn't know that initially. And how I had it in my head to create it, but I didn't know like this was the thing that would get him over the hump. And how did you know what he wanted to hear? So I'm, I'm very interested in this, but I'm thinking the reason I'm asking the question is that my audience, the people that are listening are, are healthcare practitioners. Yes. And so these, the patient comes in and I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying to translate this in my head for them. Like, how do we know what they want and how do we create a quote storyboard for them so that then we say, Hey, this is what it's going to be. Right. So, okay. Now continue. I'm, I'm now reframing that just a bit, but now keep going. Yeah. So how did, how did I know that this is what he wanted? I spent an hour with him in a meeting, just getting to know what he was looking for. The funny thing about that story is that his name is William. William initially called me to get a slideshow video. And I was like, William, I don't do slideshow videos. Right. Right. But I'm willing to meet with you to get a better understanding of what it is that you're actually looking for. Cause you may think you want a slideshow video, but maybe you're looking for something else. Mm -hmm. And I realized through the meeting, I asked him questions about, you know, what problem he was having. And the main problem he was having is that he was spending two hours in meetings with potential clients, not even actual clients, but like prospects, leads. He was spending two hours in meetings with them, trying to get them to understand what it is that he does and who he is and all that. And it would, he would leave the meeting, not even knowing if he had the, like if he had closed the deal because they couldn't understand his process. They couldn't understand. He has an eight step process and they couldn't understand it. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's why you want a slideshow. You want to show them pretty pictures and you want to show them there's a process. You kind of want to create a presentation. Okay. I get that. But I was like, what if you actually walk them through the process through the way that I do it, which is normally a documentary. And it's like, we're documenting this process. You're taking them along on the journey. You're telling a story of the actual journey so that they better understand it. One, they better understand it, but two, they also are entertained by them understanding it. So right. you don't have to spend two hours in a meeting. Maybe you spend five minutes on a video. Yeah. But it was the questions that I had asked him getting to the deeper impetus behind, hey, Jude, can you do a slideshow video for me? Yeah. No, you don't need a slideshow video. What you need is something that is going to walk someone through a story. And that's that was why, like, when I put the visual storyboard together now, I'm walking him through the story that I would tell based off of the information that he gave me. Cause then I, I did have him tell me, okay, yeah. what is your eight step process? 
Yeah. What have you been doing? Why does it work this way? Why is this important? So that I can better understand how to make it engaging in video format. So with a healthcare provider or a healthcare practitioner, I think it's the same thing. When someone comes to you, what you're trying to do is diagnose the problem. Right, exactly. If someone says they have a headache, but they also have a problem with their hip, maybe the problem in their hip is causing the headache, or maybe they're not eating right. Sometimes right. you might ask them, hey, what did you have for dinner last night? What did you have for dinner the night before? Yeah. You know, you get to these questions that then you can diagnose the right problem, not the problem they're coming to you and saying they're having. It, it's true. It's very rarely the thing. The, the thing that they're coming with is the symptom. But the symptom is very rarely the problem. The yeah. symptom is the flag that gets waved that says the body's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not well, I'm not well. Help me, help me, help me, help me. And it yeah. can give clues. But that's our job is to like dig a little deeper, just like you did with William, where you just, yep. you got the, you got the white flag, his white flag, but then you went on a little journey and you started to dig deeper. So you created this. He said yes to the $15,000. And then you were off to the races. I was off to the races. We created a three-part video series that he then ended up using. So like, for example, if someone calls him at his office, he runs an interior design firm. So his, his assistant would pick up. And let's say they will schedule a meeting. When they schedule that meeting, the first video goes out now in email format to the person he's going to meet with. Then after he meets with them, this time he's not meeting with them for two hours. He may be meeting with them for 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. Then after they meet, he sends another video. If he doesn't hear from them for another week, he sends a third video. But the point is, I helped him solve his problem of spending too much time in meetings and not only that, he was now connecting with the right type of person. If they got the first video and they realized William isn't the right person for him, for Fine. them. Good news, because now no more time gets wasted on someone who does not want what you have to offer or they can't afford it. Yes. Done. Yes. That's it. You're not the right fit or they don't have the resources to be able to do it. Such an easy way to filter them out. Yep, exactly. And so that's what happened. It. I did it one time and it went great. I got a testimonial from William. We continued to work together for three years, actually, but I ended up getting a testimonial after the first year. And I took that experience, doing it the right way, going through what I call a road mapping process. That's where I put the visual storyboard together. And I just repeated it with the next client because that was the whole point of the Earn 1K course. Yeah. If you could do it one Figure time, it mm -hmm. you can repeat it and you right. just... There might be small tweaks that you make based off of the person you're meeting, or maybe you didn't do something right the way that you wanted to do it. Right. But the system is there. The process is there. You just have to repeat it. And so that was 2013 that I worked with William and I did that. It's 2022 and I still use, it's been tweaked, but I still use the same exact process. I meet with the client. I have a conversation with them. I get to better understand what it is that they're going through in their business. And almost 10 years later, it's the same process wow. that has led me to and, us even talking today. Yeah. And so when you talk about like getting and working with an entrepreneur, whether they're in healthcare or whether they're, you know, jewelry company or interior design, what's the number one hesitation, would you say, in their business that keeps them from either saying yes to you or, or the thing that's keeping them stuck? And I would bet that and I, I've not asked you this question, <laughs> but I would bet that it's probably the same no matter what the person does. Yes. What would you say is the number one thing that, that like keeps a roadblock them from the roadblock from working with me? No, the roadblock for growth. 
for in other growth. words, they really want to grow. They want to grow. They want to do, they want to, they want to, they want to, but they can, they, they hit the ceiling and you just mm. can't get there. And then you come in and you're solving a problem by saying, Hey, I'm going to show your story. But mm. what's that objection that they may hear? You may hear about them working with you. And it's usually has to do with, well, you know, I'm not growing or I'm not making enough money or I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to. The way I often look at it is perspective. What's blocking them from growing, what's blocking them from making the next step to work with me is perspective. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, we are great problem solvers. We are great at being able to look at other people's problems and saying, this is how you fix it. Which is what we do all, all day, every day. Here's what's wrong with you. But we are terrible when it comes to taking care of ourselves. The worst. Yes. The worst. Yes. Yes. And it's hard to look, to stand back and just look at your company from a high level view. Mm -hmm. What I come in and do when I'm asking you these questions is looking at your company from a high level view. Because now I have a, a, a clean pair of eyes that haven't seen your business in the way that you've probably seen. That hasn't right. seen the day to day. Right. But I think it's the same thing, even as a, if you're a healthcare provider, when you're diagnosing someone, they're just worried about getting the kids ready for school or getting out the door, making it to work. They're not looking at, oh my gosh, maybe I haven't been eating the right way. Right. Or maybe this happens at the same time every day. Like I know for me, if I haven't gotten enough sleep by three, 4 PM, I'm shot. There's nothing more I can do. My energy is gone, but some people don't pay attention to it that way. And I right. think right. for entrepreneurs, it's the same thing. It's that perspective. And what's helped me sharpen my perspective over the years, it's simple, but it's reading books, reading other journeys, other entrepreneurs that have gone on the same journey and understanding how they may have hit a roadblock and then didn't know this is what was actually happening in their company. They got help and was able to get past the roadblock. But perspective, I think, is the number one thing. So what's your so so you now you said books, you got to you got to tell what <laughs> dish that out. Like what what are your books? What are your recommendations? What are your favorites? My favorites, uh, number one is always E-Myth. E I love E-Myth. I read yes, it every by year. Michael Gerber mm -hmm. is one of my favorites, I think. But there's a new one that I've had recently. So the last two years, I've read autobiographies instead of just reading um, like self-help books or anything like that. Yeah. And there's a new book by Jeff Imlet called Hot Seat. Oh. So Jeff Imlet, many people don't know who he is, but he took over from Jack Welch. Jack Welch was considered the, one of the uh -huh. best CEOs of yeah. all time, right? Yeah, he was yeah. running General Electric. Well, Jeff Imlet took over General Electric as CEO on September 10th, 2001. Oh, okay. The very next day was 9-11. Right. And General Electric are heavily invested into airplanes, building airplanes and different things like that. And it was the hardest day of his life. I can't to not only take over from the best CEO of all time, but to then have 9-11 happen. Yeah. And that's literally how the book starts. And he goes through the journey of he had, he was at General Electric for 17 years as their CEO, but he goes through that journey. But it starts on that day. There's no better story. Like he couldn't even script it, but he starts on that day and walks you through. So those are the two my my two favorite books, because one with Michael Gerber, E-Myth, it just walks you through building the right processes. Classic. And system, but yes, so good. 
hot seat is true. The title is perfect. Like you're in the hot seat as a CEO, as a leader of your company, you're in the hot seat. And you know, it's not easy being a CEO. It's not even at the smaller level, not general electric level, but just, you know, me and you, it's not easy being a CEO. No, it's hard. It's hard running your own business. It's hard seeing it objectively because we're in the subjective every single day and dealing with you know, the finances and the team and the hiring and the processes that aren't working and an order got messed up or, you know, an appointment got missed or your cash flow is not there, whatever it is, but there's always some little, you know, I call it a rat in the closet. Like there's something that's (laughs) chewing up the wires and you're like, where is that dang rat? I got to find that thing. I can't figure it out. So let's take, go move from this conversation to what we talked about originally, which was this conversation about courage. Yeah. Well, it takes courage to show up every day as a CEO, right? Thank you. That's exactly it. It's so easy to want to just say, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I'm never going to be good enough at this. I don't know how to run a business. I'm too afraid to charge for what I do. And I love your story about the 3000 to the 15,000. I'm not advocating that practitioners should charge $15,000 for an appointment, (laughs) but I am saying that we don't, we often don't charge enough because we don't have that value ourselves. And we don't take the courage, take that step to say, yeah, but Hey, you know, stake in the sand. Like I'm going to start my business. I'm going to raise my fees. I'm going to take that step and be courageous and run the business the way that the neat business needs to be run. But practitioners often don't think of themselves as business owner. It's like you Michael Gerber talks about it, right? You're either doing your craft or you're running the business that supports your craft. Yeah. And they're two completely different mindsets. Yeah. Completely. Courage, courage starts with the first step. I woke up on um, October 10th, 2020, and I could not physically move. Paralyzed. My eyes opened, but I could not move. And after two hours of laying in bed and not realizing what was happening, I ended up calling my therapist and was officially diagnosed with burnout. Burnout, I had not known I had experienced it before. I had actually experienced it before in 2011 after going through therapy and realizing that. But what comes with burnout is an identity crisis, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because when you go through burnout, your body is telling you it cannot go further. And if you're a service provider like I am, I am used to having to use my physical body in order to go further. I'm used to like, be like, it's not just my mind that's at work. It's my body at work. Right. And when you're being told you can no longer work in that way, you have to change how you see yourself. Now, at that point in my life, 2020, I'd saw myself as um, the work that I do is who I am. And I had to unmarry that relationship. Yeah, that's a dangerous place to be. Very dangerous perspective. But it's one that we often take on. But it takes courage to even say, I'm going to, I'm willing to do the work to work on myself in the same way I had to work on myself by thinking through how am I going to go from 3000 to 15,000? Exactly. I have to now think differently about how I work and how I view myself when I'm working. Yeah. My work and who I am are two completely, they're different things. Although it's what I've been doing for most of my life is two very different things. And how did you separate that? That is the process of reinvention really. Yes. Is reinventing the way that you interact with the, what you do and the, who you are. 
because they really are two very different things. This is just your, you know, the, what you do is your thing. Mm-hmm. This is your widget, whether like Michael Gerber, you're making pies or <laughs> yeah. you no, know, whether you're making pies or you're over here, you know, helping people heal from whatever yeah. uh, versus who you are as a person. We so often, it's so easy to lump those together. So how did you, how did you pull that apart? Yeah, I, it first started with therapy, but I think the second thing, it was the biggest difference. Every year I take off two, two months, um, November, December. And in 2020, I took off December, but it, I just was too, it, I had just been diagnosed in October. So it was, I was too much in the thick of it, but 2021 in, in December, I took off um, time. And in that time, I had to think to myself, what if you weren't doing what you're doing right now? Who mm, are you? Good question. Who are yeah. you? Like when you show up to a friend's house, who are you? When you show up to a podcast, who are you? Right. Yeah. It's not about the thing that I do. So I had to ask myself these hard and difficult questions. But here's what's important about that. I, it was while I was in a cabin, I did this. And why that's important is that I had to block out all other noise. No distractions. No distraction. Yeah. No YouTube, Netflix, no podcast, just I needed to know what does Jude think about who Jude is? Yeah. Yeah. So good. And that's where it actually landed on this um, leading and empowering entrepreneurs to have relentless courage because I realized I took courage for granted. 17 years old, the youngest of 10 children to go and be an entrepreneur when no one else in your family were entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. That takes courage. Yeah. Yeah. The second piece of that story is that my family didn't support me being an entrepreneur. That takes courage to continue this journey of being an entrepreneur, even when your family is not supporting you being an entrepreneur. Yeah. To so realize maybe- I'm going through burnout and take the next step to ask for help, asking for help is courage, right? But all these things I took for granted, and I realized what I bring when I show up to a podcast like this, or what I bring when, even when I'm working with my clients, my clients are not hiring me for video production. My clients are hiring me for leadership. Ooh, that is smoking. <laughs> and it took time for me to really just sit in that, to sit in that. I had to go back into my memory. July 2014, I went to Spokane, Washington. Have you ever been? Uh-huh. So Spokane, Washington, I love because I'm from South Florida, Pompano Beach, Florida. Pompano Beach, Florida is very diverse. It's very chill, colorful, great weather. That's what Spokane, Washington is like. And I went there for a leadership conference. Leadership had always been important in my life, but I never understood why. And Spokane, Washington is the furthest northwest point of America. I live in the furthest southeast point of America. And I had this crazy idea, very crazy idea, to take a Greyhound bus from northwest to southeast. (laughs) I will never do it again. I will never do it again. It took me three days. Uh, But I got to Chicago, Illinois. And during this time, I had my cell phone on, but I I got to Chicago, Illinois at about 8 p.m. And I opened my phone. I turned my phone back on and I got a text message from my sister. And it says, call me back. It's urgent. Now, this is 2014. 2014, my mother was going through depression and had attempted to commit suicide. My father had been diagnosed in March of 2014 with prostate cancer. So I braced myself because I knew it was either mom or or dad. dad. That's right. I called my sister and unfortunately ended up being dad. 
sorry. I got on the first flight back home, 6 a.m. the next morning. My brother came to pick me up from the airport. And he came, he hugged me, but we didn't say a word. He also brought his daughter, my niece, Ayana. She hugged me, she didn't say a word, but I sat in the back seat with Ayana. And as we're driving home to my father's house, Ayana says to me, Uncle, why did grandpa have to die? And that question rang in my ear. Why did grandpa have to die? I looked at her. I didn't respond. But within 48 hours, I got my response because my family leaned on me, the youngest of 10 children, to help them through this journey of making funeral arrangements. What are we going to do with his property and his assets? And then on top of that, I was taxed with giving my father's eulogy. The youngest of 10 children. Why does that happen? It is on that, at that time that I understood my purpose in life is to lead, but I had never tied that purpose to how I show up in my client meetings or how I show up in podcast interviews. So when I say that my clients aren't paying me for storytelling or even video production, they're paying me for leadership. And when you understand that, who you are when you show up to a meeting, who you are when you show up to a podcast interview is so much different because you are now embodying who you are not trying to sell the thing that you do. Most people would come on here, especially as a video producer or as a filmmaker, would try to tell you all the great things about what they do in video. I have no reason for doing that because who I am is a leader. Right. And that is what I want to show you first before I show you anything else. So I like you're you're I feel like there's a therapy session. Thank you very much. <laughs> did not sign up for this day. I did not sign up for this. But I love this conversation because we so I mean I'm just can speak for myself, but you know, I've been in practice for 20 over 20 years. And it I feel like I, I go somewhere, people say, What do you do? And the only thing I know to say is, you know, I'm in healthcare. And then they say, oh, well, what do you do in healthcare? And I'm like, I don't want to tell you because then you're going to tell me about your prostate. You're going to tell me about your hemorrhoids and you're going to tell me about your hormones. And I don't want to talk to you about that right now. Right. So separating that, I think it's just like, I, 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 thank you. I I like, I, I love this because it really is. I have not. I don't think I really contemplated this all the way through about the importance of separating the who I am is different than what I do. Mm-hmm. And I can say I'm a leader, which I am. I am a leader. And I would describe myself as that. But up until now, if someone asked me, I would never say that. I would say the what I do. Because this is probably easier. It's familiar. It's comfortable except when they want to tell me about their hemorrhoids. I don't want to hear about that, but you know, all that is, it's easy to slide right into that. So easy, unless you do the internal work of being able to separate the two. And I love as well that you talked about getting therapy. And I think that business owners, whether you're a practitioner or you're a tile guy or a roofer or whatever you do as a business owner, I believe that it's essential that we work on our inner game. Yes. You can't lead if your inner game is not right. Yes. You can't lead if you can't govern your own inner game and your own body and your own self 
be your being outside of what you do. But often, you know, people, everybody looks up, not everyone, but we look at therapy as like, you got to be like a psycho or depressed <laughs> or, but there are different types of therapy and yes. therapists that actually work with entrepreneurs yes. to get their head game, right? Like yes. get this thing, right. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden the dominoes start to tip over in your business and you can really start to grow. How did that therapy impact you? Because you were then uncoupling, correct? This yeah, it was part. only because of therapy that I ah, began to yeah. look at who I am versus the thing that I do. Right. Um, it was therapy that helped me uncover that courage was important to me. I, that I took uh, courage for granted. Yeah. Right. Because I saw it as, of course, you should believe in yourself. Of course, you should be scared and do it anyway. But not everyone is like that. No, no. And not only that, but there's got to be a balance to courage, too. Sometimes you are going to be scared and maybe you lean into that fear a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Like there's a balance to it all. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it, it was therapy that led me to taking the first step. And that to me, the most important thing about courage, and I go back and I think about what is courage how I define it, it's taking the first step. Because oftentimes we hear the story of like Elon Musk who did the big thing or right. you know, right. like, you know, Steve Harvey who did the big thing that takes right. courage. No, courage just starts with taking the first step. Yeah. And the second thing that follows that is once, and this is what we talked about, you know, before. So once we take that step of courage and we say, yes, I'm gonna like, let's just say, I'm gonna raise my price. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to do that thing because I know I'm worth it. That's the confidence. Yes. And the courage yes. begets confidence. Yes. And then the more confidence you have gives way to more have. courage yeah. to make yep. the next step, which yep. gives you confidence. And even if you hit a little bumpy patch, Mm -hmm. It's okay because everybody hits bumpiness. Like yeah. turbulence is just part of the program when you're running a business, but that courage, then from the courage comes confidence, but we have to get the courage to take the first step. And sometimes the courage has to happen because we got to fix it up here first. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We take so much noise on as human beings, negative noise sometimes that we oh, yeah. set in yeah. that lowers our confidence. Mm -hmm. Makes us feel like we're less less valuable or we, or I think the more dangerous place is it makes us often feel like we have to blend in with the rest. Mm. I have mm -hmm. to do what everybody else just get in the stream and keep like, don't <laughs> rock the boat. Just yep. shut up, get in your inner tube and just float down the river with everyone else. Okay. Could you just charge the same price? Could you just provide the same service? Could you just yeah. like, please just please. Yeah. And, and one that, thing I do to continue to exercise confidence so that I continue to have courage. It's very simple, but I think it's a practical tip that your audience can take away no matter what you do. Like you said, if you're a tile guy from a health practitioner from in the filmmaking business, yeah. in my phone, I have an iPhone and in my phone is, an, is a folder in the photos album. I have a folder called the confidence folder. Ooh. And in that folder, I've been collecting images and testimonials and different things like that for years. And in that folder, anytime I feel less than, anytime I feel like imposter syndrome is still coming up for me. Oh, yeah. So real. I go back to that folder and I look at images of me speaking on stage, which means I've done it before. So there's no reason to be nervous again. Right, right. Uh, 
messages that maybe my clients have sent me saying how much they love the work that we did together, or sometimes not even saying the work that we did together, but how I made them feel. Yes. Yeah. That builds confidence. Right. Because again, we take on all these negative things that we sit in. We need to remind ourselves, I am enough. Uh I am enough. I am enough. Like those three simple words. That's right. I don't have to do anything. I already am the thing. I am enough. And when you show up at whatever it is that you do, if you're a healthcare practitioner, when you show up, you are enough. You may not know everything you need to know, but that doesn't mean that you're not enough. Yeah. It means that you just go find the information that you need to know. That's all. You just go find it. And then, but you're still enough. You're You're still enough. Oh, like, I just love that. We could talk about this, I think forever, because it's such a deep, deep topic. And I, 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 I think I need to, I, I, I'm, I, yeah, I, I, I need to just go be quiet for a little while, I think, and just get quiet. <laughs> you, you rattled my noggin a bit and I'm <laughs> grateful for that. I really am. That so is what grateful. I'm here for. That's it is I, again, I oh. understand my purpose, my mission and vision. It is to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless courage. Again, that courage, it may just be taking the 30 minutes after this podcast recording to just sit in silence. Forget the text message that's in your phone. Forget the next email that you need to respond to. Just sit there. That takes courage to stop, to just stop. And stop the noise and be okay with what's there. We sometimes don't want to get quiet. I mean, years ago, I've been, I have been in therapy a lot and I, (laughs) and I love it. (laughs) And I love it. I wouldn't be where I am without it. I would not be where I am without it. But I know that sometimes that, the hard part is I don't want to get quiet because uh, I don't think I want to know what's in there. I think I'm like nervous about what's going to show up and what this whole thing is going to say and what the yeah, 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 yeah. Back here. You know, sometimes we don't want to hear it, but that's the courage is just sitting down and just being with that. Yeah. And when you sit with it, you break through the damaging thoughts that you may be having. Yes, there's bad thoughts that come into our mind and that we don't want to deal with. We don't want to do the deep inner work, but it's only when you do the deep inner work that you true, that your being finally comes and breaks breaks through. Like this is, honestly, this sounds, I know some people that may be listening to this that may not have gone through therapy. This may be a bit too woo-woo for you, but I can guarantee you as an entrepreneur, just like Rhonda said, it is important that we go through therapy because so entrepreneurship will challenge the mess out of you. <laughs> and unless you have someone, place. yes, yes, unless you have someone to help you and work through it, um, you just you have to separate who you are from what you do, and and all the pain that you may be experiencing from yeah. years ago, from childhood, really, yeah. yeah. You, you need to let that go. It, it, um, it's a freeing place to be in. I lost my father in 2014. I was 25 years old. But immediately my thought was, when I did his eulogy, my thought was, it's a crazy thought to have, but my father had to pass away for me to understand my purpose. Mm, what a gift, really. I lost him. I didn't want to lose him. No, but what you got in exchange? Yes, was a huge gift. I use that as an example because sometimes we're afraid of the thing that we'll lose or we're afraid of what's going to come up as we sit in silence. But it may be the very thing you need 
to make it further along the journey. That's so good. That is so good. Jude, I can't thank you enough for your time. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm not thanking you. I don't know. I'll let you know in 30 minutes. I, I'll send you a message and say thanks or no thanks. That's what I'll do. But I am I really am so grateful that you took the time to hang out with us. And I would love for uh, my community to know yes. where they can best get a hold of you. Yes. So I write a dramatic leverage newsletter where I talk about the business side of storytelling, which is ironically all these things that I'm talking about now, because in order to be able to tell your story, you have to change the story that's in your head. Yes, that's and right. So I talk about that through my dramatic leverage newsletter. Um, you can go to that through judecharles.co forward slash newsletter. I'm sure Rhonda will put it in the show we'll notes, the but that's the best place. Yep. I not only write the newsletter, but I communicate through there like this. If you reply to the newsletter, I'm replying back to you. That's a conversation that we're having. And um, that's the best way to connect with me and continue the conversation. Are you on social? I am. Uh, the only place really is Twitter. I'm not as active anywhere else, but on Twitter is my name, Jude Charles. That's, that's another place where I like to have, com- I love having conversations, as you can tell, deep conversations. And yeah. That's so the place where you can have Twitter them. or uh, on your newsletter. A lot of my audience is probably not going to be on Twitter. That's not where we would <laughs> hang out for our, you no know, problem. our people are not going to be on Twitter. So I'll bet you that they'll connect with you on your newsletter. So Jude, yes. thank you so much. I've Rhonda, thank you for having me. Thoroughly yes. enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Well, friend, I don't know if that messed you up, but it did mess me up a little bit. And, you know, I think that the greatest part of that conversation is just really the realization that we we aren't what we do. We are people, and then we have a do thing. And uh, I actually just finished the episode. I'm recording this outro, and then I have a little bit of time in my schedule, and I'm going to park it for a little while and do some thinking and get with my own therapist about this and have this kind of deeper conversation. So, so much rich information. I would highly encourage you that you go follow, hang out with Jude a little bit. You can find him at judecharles.co forward slash newsletter to sign up. He just asks you for basic information about yourself, your email, when your birthday is, and you know, tell a little bit more about yourself. And I really do love uh, his uh, dramatic leverage newsletter that comes through. I always love reading it when it comes through. So anyway, thanks for hanging out with me. One more quick thing. We are coming up on our 100th episode of the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. And of course, we're going to be doing a giveaway. You can win one of three prizes. I've got three giveaways to do. I'm giving away an iPad. I'm giving away a set of Bose headphones and a three-hour coaching call with none other than yours truly. So all three things, an iPad, Bose headphones, and a three-hour coaching call with one very lucky practitioner with me. So here's how you can enter. All you have to do is rate and review the podcast on wherever you listen to it. So on your favorite platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, take a screenshot and then go to, here's the thing, rondanelson.com forward slash podcast 100 and enter to win. So you need to leave the review, take a screenshot, and then go to rondanelson.com forward slash podcast 100. And we will be announcing those winners on the air live on the podcast on Tuesday, June 14th. So you have until June the 10th 
to enter to win. And you can get a few bonus entries by sharing that review on your social, tagging me, following my page, etc. Dr. Rhonda Nelson on social. So more on that coming up. But no, I got some goodies coming for you. So thanks for the rating. Thanks for the review. And it's my way of saying thank you for being such a loyal listener for the past 100 episodes. I can't wait for us to walk together for the next 100. All right. Take care, friend. I'll be back with you next week on the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast.